This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, I'll be talking with Will Dahl, structural engineer at Collier's Engineering and Design about unique aspects of working in a small firm and how it differs from his experiences working in a larger firm. We'll be taking a deeper dive into the various projects he's worked on in both settings, advantages and challenges of team collaboration and communication. And he's also going to provide some great advice on how to choose between working in a smaller firm or a larger engineering firm. I'm your co-host, Matt Cardwell, and this is the Structural Engineering Channel podcast. Before we go on, here's a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Collier's Engineering and Design. Thank you to EMI sponsor Collier's Engineering and Design, a full-service A&E firm with more than 2,200 employees and over 60 offices nationwide. As an industry leader, Collier's Engineering and Design has a responsibility to ensure the built environment is constructed with a commitment to the inclusivity, health, and welfare of our people, clients, and communities. Their expansion has fostered an enterprising culture that provides continued opportunities for employees to grow their careers while accelerating their personal and professional development within the company. For more information about how you can join their team, find them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or visit colliersengineering.com. Well, welcome to the show. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey into the world of structural engineering and what got you into this field? What sparked your interest? I've been working as a structural engineer for about 25 plus years now. I've been strictly just doing structural engineer and building designs. Guess I started like any other engineer started. I liked how to figure out how things got put together and that always interested me starting way back from like Legos or something like that. I was always good at math too. So in high school, I, I definitely knew I wanted to get into the engineering field or at least study engineering in college. And then when I got to college, I saw that there was a course for architectural engineering. That was one of the, the branches of engineering you could get into. I wanted to get more into buildings and architecture. I thought that was interesting at the time. So what they were teaching in architectural engineering was your mechanical, electrical, plumbing designs. They even had like a lighting course and illumination scores. And then of course they had a structural engineering, your steel designs, your concrete designs, and even your timber designs. So that's what I focused on, even though you required to take the other courses for your MEP as well. But I tried to focus on just structural design. That The more I got into the program, the, the more I was interested in just structural engineering. So then when I got out of school, I had BS in architectural engineering. And then that's when I 
started looking for a job as a structural engineer for building design is, is what I was looking for. That was my focus. How did your college courses prepare you for what you do now on an everyday basis as a structural engineer or what they could have and then been doing better in terms of uh, the courses that they teach? You know, first couple of years, you're just taking your core classes and you're, that's your basic calculus with differential equations, chemistry, physics, every engineer had to take those. And that was just basic. So it didn't really get into the nitty gritty into the last couple of years in, in school. And then when I was taking you know, your timber design and your steel design and your concrete design, part of that was preparing projects and preparing drawings, which at the time I thought were good drawings and good designs. You don't realize it until you get out there how to actually make it into a workable design and a workable drawing. But that gave you a basis of what should be prepared in terms of a drawing and in terms of design. There's basis that I, I use still to today, a sheer moment diagram, you know, a simple body diagram. I, those are things that I will always be using just because how we work with our projects, you're looking for speed and you're looking for efficiency. So if you can get a simple supported beam and you can solve that quickly, then you can just move on and, and start designing more complex things. So WL squared over eight, I learned it in college. I still use it every single day. It's just your basic, basic building blocks and your basic tools that would help you you know, advance. I don't think I really became a structural engineer though until a good four or five years after practicing and working in, in a structural engineering firm. I think it takes you that long where it clicks and it comes to you and you're just like, okay, now this makes sense. Now I understand why these pieces are, are putting together. Part of it is you're out in the field and, and you're seeing things and, and you're trying to figure out how things get put together. And you don't know it in school until you actually go and, and you see it on the site. And then once you see it on the site, then things start clicking and, and then your design starts clicking as well and your problem solving starts clicking too. But Getting back to your original question, you know, the basic building blocks and the basic tools in, in my box that I use that I still use every day, but I definitely needed those in school. For me, even uh, talking to uh, or helping out new engineers, they're often surprised because they learn so much in terms of what their college courses offer. There's a lot to learn. But then when we kind of just get down to their first engineering problem, it's okay, let's go back to the basics, free body diagram and uh, finding your moment. And then it's, this is where it all starts. This is where it all ends because of all the fancy programming. You need to learn how to back tech it, build up your engineering intuition. And so they're often surprised by that. It's like, they might expect they need to do software all the time. No, a lot of the times, 90% of the time, you go back to the basics. Yeah. Right. For me, I'm an older engineer and I had a bunch of younger engineers underneath me. And I don't let them use the programs and the apps. The apps are great. The apps are fantastic. And they'll spit it out and, and you'll get an answer. But I want them to use their calculator first and then go back with the app. Try to figure out what the app is saying. Is the app giving you an answer you were expecting? You just can't give me an answer from the app. You know, what does that actually mean? You have to understand what's going into the app so then you can say, yes, what's coming out of it does make sense. So what I'm teaching the younger engineers that are under me, I want them to do hand calcs first, and I want them to struggle with their calculator first. And once they have an understanding from that, then yes, uh, then I would feel comfortable using the apps and having them use the apps. 
that is one of the newer skills that some of the more senior engineers need to instill upon the new incoming students because there's software everywhere and it's so easy to just, how do you know that's right? Oh, the software told me it's, it's so dangerous, but it's so easy. Yeah, it is. But the issue is it's fast too. You need that struggle the first couple of years when you're out of school to understand and go forward and get faster. If you don't get that struggle, I don't think you're going to progress. So if you're just getting answers out of the application, yes, you're going fast and, and we're keeping the job under budget, which is what we always have to do, but you need to struggle. So the first one or two years that I'm teaching a younger engineer, I know he's not going to hit the budget. See, we're going to blow budgets and that's okay. Because I know in the long run, if he struggles the first couple of years, I'll get him in the next couple of years and he'll be a well-oiled machine. And then, and then at that point, we'll be under budget. I'm okay with that. I know the first couple of years, we're not going to be under budget. That's okay. I know you have a, an intriguing uh, career path. I believe you started off at a small firm and then transitioned to a, a larger firm. Is that correct? Yes. I found my first job in the classifieds of the New York Times. I opened up the classifieds and I saw the number and, and there was a listing for a structural engineer, entry-level structural engineer in New York City. So that's where I started. I don't think anybody finds jobs through the New York Times classified, but that's what you did back in the 90s. I started at a very small uh, structural engineering firm. It was a sole proprietorship. I was one of five engineers at the time. And I thought it was a fantastic experience because it was such a small firm that you had to start producing right away and you had to start getting your hands dirty right away. So I was thrown many jobs right away. You had to start figuring jobs out quickly and start producing jobs. And the type of jobs we were doing, since we were a small firm, we weren't doing large projects in New York City. We were doing small, mostly renovations, some new stuff here and there, but a lot of renovation stuff. But I saw a lot of wood right away. I saw a lot of masonry. I saw a lot of steel and concrete and you know, very basic stuff that everybody should know. But on the same point, I was also going to job sites and in New York City, looking at old buildings from the 1800s to the present day. So I don't think I would have got that experience if I was at a large firm. I got the experience at a smaller firm because it was necessary. It was needed. I was one of five. If I wasn't going out, the guy sitting right next to me was going out. We were all going out. We were all looking at the same types of buildings and we were trying to figure out how things got put together. And then we were trying to understand and learn all the materials. So it was a fantastic experience. My boss at the time, he had come from a larger structural engineering firm. He actually came from an AE firm in New York City. And then he branched out on his own. But his background was a very strong structural engineering background. So he was very accommodating and helping and, and teaching. And I, I try to use the same things that he taught me when I teach new, younger engineers also. But he put in, it was his job. It was his business. It, it was his everything. It was his life. So he put a lot into it and he put in a lot into you as well. So we produced for him and, and the same token, he was making us stronger engineers. So working at the smaller firm of it was fantastic. I wouldn't give it up for anything. You know, I spent 17 years there and it was fantastic. I did eventually though move. Um, and the reason is I got a family and I can't stay in New York City forever. 
So we did eventually move to New Jersey. And at that point, I didn't want to do the hustle in and out of the city every day. So I found another firm in New Jersey. And that's what led me to Collier's Engineering, which at the time was called Mazer Consulting. Right now, we're about 2,200 people. But at the time, when I was brought in, maybe about 10 years ago, it was about Five or six hundred people, but still relatively large. You know, I was coming from a six and seven person firm, and now I was coming into a, an extremely large firm. So, at the time, it was overwhelming. You know, the first month or two, but like any new job, you get used to the atmosphere. So, in terms of the contrast between the small and the large, the large is on every scale is just so much bigger. Just from your basic stuff, like uh, what you have at a large firm that you don't have at a small firm, the large firms have a human resources department. They have a marketing department. They have a business development department. But we didn't have any of that in a small firm. In the small firm, you did that all. You know, Right now, I have an AR team and an accounts receivable team that helps me go and, and, and find uh, missing invoices or invoices that aren't being paid. When I was in the smaller firm, that was me. The secretary was the HR and the marketing. It was all in one. It, or we would market. We were engineers that were marketing as a small firm. So that was a great advantage. Once you get to the large firm, you're just like, oh, all these little things that I don't need to do anymore because I, that's already taken care of, which was a great feeling. Now you can just concentrate on, on just your engineering. When I moved to the larger firm, it's an EDA firm. It's an engineering dominant with an architectural division and architectural department, but having other types of engineering services within the same firm and underneath the same umbrella was really great. In the small firm, it was strictly structural building design. Now, when I moved to the large firm, my civil site engineer was right down the hall. I could always talk to him and figure out how it's working or his site plan is going. The geotechnical engineer, which we would always sub consult out at the smaller firm, now he's right around the corner from me. And if I ever have any kind of soils question, I could just drop on in and just ask him a question. I'm sure he doesn't want me dropping on in, but I can do that. And then because all of these engineers are all under the same umbrella, a lot of the jobs would come to me through in-house engineers. So it takes away a little bit of going and hustling and getting out on the street and, and hustling for that work. Because the majority of my work is in-house. I am, I am supporting other engineering departments in uh, Mazer, but now it's called Collier. So that's the huge advantage there is, you know, I do have work that's constant. It's always coming in. In terms of a social, it's night or day. When In the smaller firm, we would do our holiday dinners and the five to 10 of us would go out and it'd be a very nice, intimate dinner and we'd celebrate the holidays. Now, when we're at, I'm at Collier's, it's large party down in Atlantic City, like hundreds and hundreds of people. Like the, the scale is just totally different. So there's goods and bads in both of them. I wouldn't give up my experience in either one of them. My early experiences is in the smaller one. It was definitely needed and it was definitely worked out for me. But now here being in, the, in a smaller firm, I really enjoyed myself also. It's been great here. That's a big transition. And I think you did a good job of... Uh... Explaining the differences between them, I did want to dig into some of more of those nuances between the smaller and the larger firms. For example, the mentorship. What do you think about the mentorship between a, 
a smaller versus a larger firm? Because it seems to me that maybe more intimate in a small firm, but maybe with a bigger firm, you have a lot more resources, but less intimacy. How do you see that? Yes and no. And so in the smaller firm, yes, the owner of the company was very hands-on with you at the beginning, but his time was very limited because he was also hustling on the street trying to get work and trying to get jobs. And then he's also reviewing and QAQCing every other engineer's work too. So you did work with him, but you did have to find time to work with him. I think where I am in in the larger firm, and I have two engineers underneath me right now, I'm not away that they, as much as when the owner of the business for the smaller firm, I am there, I am present. So you would think that you just become a cog in the machine, but and maybe it's depending on what firm you're in. But in the larger firm, I, I do think there is some more intimacy, and we do have that work together. And and I'm not being pulled away to do miscellaneous things for a business because that's already being taken care of. So I have heard that about a larger firm, but from my experience, no, I'm not seeing that as much just because that's how it's set up where I am. I could understand that in a larger firm, you could just be just a cog that just sits there and just is designing a steel beam every day. I, I've heard those rumors. That hasn't been my experience here. And, and I'm hoping, you know, everybody that I work with that that wouldn't be the experience. You know, when any engineer that I want to work with, I want to sh- show them everything. I want them to be a full, well-rounded structural engineer. Like you said, I think it does depend on the firm, either a bigger firm they could pigeonhole you or they couldn't be, or maybe they're, they have more time to mentorship you or just so big that everyone's just doing their own thing. I think it really just depends on the firm's culture, the company's culture, how they train their engineers. What projects from smaller firms to larger firms? I assume there's probably larger projects and bigger firms. What was the difference that you saw between those uh, project work? In the smaller firms, we brought in smaller work. What happens is that since the, the smaller works have smaller fees, you need more of the smaller work to keep it going, to, to bring in the revenue. So there was a lot of quick, small turnover of quick renovations in New York City, a lot of residential quick renovations. Now in the larger firms, you're, I am looking at projects that are, are just bigger on scale and have a duration that that's longer as well. And that just comes hand in hand. You know, we are a larger firm. We can offer more, so then we can chase after the larger projects and the bigger projects. Then, when you're chasing after the bigger project, you're going to have more time to do that. So, yeah, there definitely is a difference. Uh, you know, the smaller firms was definitely a smaller, mostly like a lot of renovations, a lot of quick renovations, and you're in and out. Now that I'm in a larger firms, it's bigger scale projects. Sometimes I'm working with a site civil engineer that's in house as well. So you're working on a huge development of the whole land where he's doing the site and then there's multiple buildings that have to go on within the site too. So it's definitely in a, on a bigger scale. And as far as a, a time, you you do have more time to start producing the work. At the end of the day, it's still the same at structural engineering. There definitely is a difference. Before we go on here, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. 
Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. You did mention that in a smaller firm, you have many hats because there's not enough employees. You're, you're doing everything in a smaller firm. And with bigger firm, you have more resources. People can do the accounting for you. Uh, how do you think that influenced your skill learning? Like I imagine maybe in... Um, a smaller firm, for example, if you're an engineer and you become a manager, then you have to develop business development skills. You have to focus on that. But maybe in a bigger firm, some of those skills, I guess there's specialists, you would call them for some of those. How does that affect that? And and do you think that was a, a good thing in terms of, I guess, the skills that you learn? Definitely a good thing. So in the smaller firms, you one of the big tasks were, that was asked of me after I'd been there for a few years was start promoting the firm and start bringing in clients or start maintaining the clients that we have. It could just be the conversations on the phones, you know, where you can't just be black and white and you can't just be numbers guy. You have to be able to talk with our clients were architects. And so you have to be able to talk with an architect. You have to be able to kind of speak on his language. You know, there is this myth about engineers that we were just bookworms, but you have to be able to come out of your shell and, and speak with an architect because the architect is not necessarily going to be on the same wavelength of an engineer, but that's your client. And that's who you really need to wine and dine. And you need to not just talk to him about projects, but be able to talk to him about anything. So that was definitely a skill that was sharpened with me. Whether or not I was deliberately trying to, to market myself to these architects, maybe, but in, in some ways I, I was just being nice and just being a friendly with them. And just if you're open with them and you can have a dialogue with them, they want to come back to you and they're going to want to hire you again. So every engineer could produce drawings, but can you have a good working relationship with your client? So that I took away from the small company were how to treat your client and your client is always number one. So then when I come to the, to the larger firm, I already have that as a tool of mine that I'm able to talk with new architects. I'm at a new firm. I'm, I'm now talking to new consultants. And you have to develop that skill because that's the reason why people come back to you. They're going to come back to you because they enjoy working with you. You have to be producing a good drawing and a good design, but it's also that coordination period between you and your architect or whomever you're consulting with. It has to be a good relationship or else they're not going to hire you again. And I feel that's what I developed when I was working at the smaller firm. Whether I knew it or not, I was sharpening that tool and just learning that. It's like you were saying, the myth of uh, the engineers that don't know how to uh, communicate with other people or the bookworms, they usually don't last in the structural engineering industry. Because like you were saying, you're going to have to eventually talk to the architect and, and, and other people and even other engineers and other disciplines. Yeah. And the higher you go up in terms of position, I think that those interactions increase. So it's definitely a, a skill where you have to be technical and be good to work with. You have to be nice to work with. So yeah, it's definitely a, a thing that we always see. And definitely we don't want the, to neglect that for the, the younger engineers. Right. I personally work in a structural engineering mostly firm and we're in between a, a medium to a large firm. So I can kind of see both ways. For me, I've never been in a huge, large firm. So yeah, talking to people like you, it's uh, that's how I get to live a, a large firm. 
It's really interesting because of the points that you said earlier about you do wear many hats, but you're the one that's doing everything. I think that was really great in terms of, for me as a younger engineer, learning all of those things. Like you have to know how to sketch, you have to go on site visits, you have to do everything and work on all the projects. Sometimes you're even doing management roles for smaller projects and you get to talk to the clients. I think that was a, a great opportunity to learn. But then what you were saying about larger firms is now you have all of these resources around you where you can talk. And I think you can learn a lot more in terms of uh, the whole building process when you have the architect there, the geotech there, uh, all the disciplines there. Because uh, there is a barrier, right? With the hiring different disciplines, you got to pick up the phone, are they there? And then and it's usually mainly business, but I feel if you can just walk over to their office and just have casual chat about things like that and ask casual questions, I think that sounds pretty cool. It definitely makes the job easier. You know, if my geotech was a subconsultant and I had a small little question, you know, do I want to bother him in the middle of the day? But if he's right around the corner, I could just pop in and say, hey, what do you think about this? Is this really an issue? Should I be really thinking about this? And he can easily say yes or no and, and give me an answer right away. Where before in the smaller firm, I'd have to get somebody on the phone. Maybe it would take up time and, and I'd be taking away from his time as well. So th that is a huge advantage of, of where I'm at and just having different services all under the same umbrella. They're definitely a plus. Yeah, for me, it would be those dumb questions where I was like, it's a dumb question. I'd feel bad if I called them and it's like, yeah, I just had a dumb question and that's it. But then I guess more in person or if they're, that, if they're right there, it's a lot easier to ask those small questions that you're not a specialist of. So, yeah. Right. And it's those small questions that could just linger. You're just like, huh, how do I feel about it? I'm not totally 100% on board with this. So, you know, let me talk to, the, to an expert. You know, Those small little questions that could just hang you up. We get into the the work life balance, maybe the culture of those from a, a smaller to a larger firm. I know you kind of mentioned it about with the parties, but what more do you see? A couple of different things, and this could be just how the the two firms were run by each other. When it was in the smaller firm and it was a sole proprietorship, he was very you know sometimes lax with your budgets. He was mostly looking just to bring in quantity and get as many jobs as he can, and so if jobs went over budget. He can rationalize and say, well, we'll make it up in the next one. We still did a timesheet every week, but your timesheet isn't as it isn't as looked at it over with like a, a fine comb or anything like that. When you do go into the larger firm, that is how you're judged. You're judged by your projects and your budgets. Are you keeping everything under budget? Or is your timesheet coming in? You know, how are your hours? How are your billable hours? So that was a big difference when I went from small to large. There was definitely this feeling like, oh, okay, this is now, my hour means something more than it used to when I was at the smaller firm. It just can't be written off. That was a big difference, right? Between the two cultures, I guess, you know, the larger firm, you're definitely, you're looked at as what is your performance and your performance is coming straight from your timesheet. In terms of just work-life balance, in the smaller firm, you're kind of on the whim of the sole proprietor. If he says, hey, we're not coming in on Good Friday, we're not coming in. That's not how it happens in the big firm. You are set with your holidays and that's it. If you don't want to come in on Good Friday, you take a vacation day. So that's a difference. Not to say that where I'm at, you know, the work-life balance, you know, now that we're coming out of COVID, there is that still you're allowed to be working from home certain days a week. And that is definitely a plus. 
where I can only imagine in a smaller firm, they're probably working from home more days of the week than not, where, yeah, I'm still working from home one day a week now that we're out of the pandemic, but there is a the feeling around the larger firm, you know, we'd like you to come back in. We'd like you to be here more often. You get that feel. So that's the difference between the two. So if you use an analogy, like a, one is as an aircraft carrier, and it's large and it's moving straight ahead and it's not turning quickly and it's it's going very straight. And if it's turning, it's turning very slowly. So that's what you're on board for. We're on, on the smaller firm, you're, you're on like more of a like a PT boat and it's quick. It's maneuvering very quick and easy and it could stop and it can go and it could turn fast, but it's it could handle itself and move as its own speed. It, where on the larger one, you're you're just going straight ahead. So you definitely feel the difference between the two. You know, one is is definitely flexible. The other one, it's got to accommodate everybody in the firm. So that's the differences between the two. What were some of the most rewarding things when you went into a, a larger firm that you couldn't get at a smaller firm? We touched base on the, the multiple disciplines, which is great. But then the access to any kind of software I wanted, that was any software, any textbook, easy. You, you would just send a, a message and they would get it hooked up for you. Where in the smaller firm, you'd have to justify, you know, we really need this. You know, it really could help us. And, oh, how is that hurting our overhead? You'd have to take a look at this. We're, with a larger firm, there's no question. If you need the application, you're going to get the application. You know, if you need the textbook, if you need the code, you're getting it. It's not a question. With a smaller firm, you have to weigh, weigh the overheads with everything else. So that was definitely a plus. And it's also true. The social thing is, is gigantic. You know, going out of work and hanging out with multiple people and, and multiple engineers outside of work, it's good. It's stimulating. You share ideas that way too. So it's a huge plus being in a large firm. You know, we have a large Christmas party every year. We touch base with people that, you know, you only see on a team's call from other offices. You touch base with them like you know them, like they work right around the corner from you. So that is definitely a plus at working at a larger firm. So for our listeners that are looking to get either into a smaller firm or a larger firm, do you have any advice for them maybe on what they need in their career or which ones they should consider choosing when they're job hunting? I'm biased. You know, I started out in a smaller firm and I thought it did me really well just because it was almost like a pressure cooker. I got to go out and site, you know, the first week and started to see things up close right away. And that didn't stop. And so you're constantly turning over projects and you're constantly working on your design and sharpening your designs and you're seeing all these different materials. So for me, I would definitely say coming out of school, if you could try to get a really well-oiled small firm, I like that idea. And then if you want to progress to something different, it was a very good idea that I'd switched over just so I could see how the larger firms are. At the time it, I switched, and I thought that working at the smaller firm had run its course and I was ready to see how other engineer firmings do it. So going from very small to very large, yes, there was transition, but I wouldn't give it up for anything. It, just seeing how other people do the same, it's the same engineering, but how is the company running? So yeah, I'm biased. I would say starting up in a small firm would definitely get you going quicker. That's coming from my point of view, yeah. But when I was coming out of school, I was looking at the classifieds and I was trying to find any job I could find. And I was offered this job and it's like, yes, let's do it. So I'm not sure how lucky you are coming out of school. If you, if you have multiple different options, you can, 
if you are good for you, you, you can take your pick. But uh, for me, you know, it, it was just a handful of firms I, I was choosing from. So and I think I just worked out well. But yeah, I, starting out in a small firm and figuring it all out then after you get your P, if you want to try something different, then yeah, that'd be fun. That's great advice. It seems like, you know, if you're already a professional engineer and you want to change companies or something, I mean, those are things that you can consider for a smaller firm. For a larger firm, I think you can see the big difference. They have a lot more resources and a lot more people if that's your type of culture that you're looking for. And if you're a structural engineering student and you're looking to get your first uh, position, I think what Will pretty much says, and I'm sorry to tell younger engineers too, going into a smaller firm isn't the end of the world. So I know a lot of students coming out, they want to go work for the the huge firms, but you have a lot of competition and chances are, no matter how good you are, you're probably not going to get into those just because you have so many applicants. Like go for a smaller firm. You can learn sometimes even a lot more, get your kind of get put in the hot seat, but you get to learn a lot more. And you know, once you have get those licenses, then you can go wherever you want. With small firms definitely are not a con in your career and can actually help you out into a good part of your career path. So thanks for sharing that. And a lot of it also depends on if you are looking at a small firm, is the owner of the company. What is his background? What is his skills? Obviously he has to teach you, but how well is he as a structural engineer? And I think I got lucky that way. The owner that where I worked at, he had come from a very large AE firm. So he, he was well established and he was doing very large buildings in the city and then he opened up his own practice. So he was already very well established as a structural engineer. So I think I got lucky that way, not just a small firm, but a small firm with somebody that has the knowledge and has the direction. And you also shared some things about the benefits of a, a large firm. And that was really cool for me to hear coming, you know, you've been in there for 10 years and seeing what all the different dynamics coming from me, at least personally, like, I don't know what a big firm is like. So you telling me all the differences and some of the big advantages of that too, uh, I never really knew about like, busting some of those myths of uh, you're always going to be pigeonholed in a big firm or things like that. So thanks for talking about that. And it all depends on what firm you go to, too. For maybe someone looking to get into a big firm, because you mentioned culture, would you recommend, I guess, talking to some of the employees beforehand in a big firm to get a feel of their culture? Or what do you think probably the best way is to for someone to gauge that? Culture, but then also... When you're doing an interview, they're going to be asking you questions and trying to figure you out. But you should definitely be asking them questions. You know, what projects am I going to be working on? What are the tasks I'm going to be doing? My first year here, what do you see me doing? I don't want to just be doing a beam or I don't want to just be out on a site looking at uh, how concrete is being poured. I don't want that. I want to start designing. Am I going to be able to design? Who am I going to be working under? The person I'm going to be working under, what are their types of jobs and how are they going to be bringing me into that job? And what would my task be underneath them? And then, yeah, if I could speak to other people that, you know, maybe a year or two ahead of me, what had they been doing the past few years when they, after they got hired? Is it something that I want to be doing? If I was a young engineer, I wouldn't want to just be pigeonholed. And I would want to make sure that I'm asking those questions to figure out Am I just going to be put in a corner and review shop drawings all day? Or am I really going to be designing? Because I'm a structural engineer, I want to start designing and I want to start somebody to teach me. So in your interviews, you should be asking those questions. You know, What am I going to be doing? What are my tasks? How am I going to be designing? What am I going to be designing? Who am I going to be working under? 
What are their qualifications? What are the other people like that work under him as well? What are they doing? So those interviews have to go both ways. You have to figure out for yourself what you're getting into as well. Some interviews, yeah, it can't just be one way because the company wants one thing. But if you don't know what you're looking for as a potential employee, then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. You got to do, it's got to go both ways. That's great advice. It's easy for us to say that because, you know, we're old and, and we've done it before, but it's tough for, you know, a 22-year-old coming out of school. They wouldn't know anything. But if you push yourself to have the initiative to try to figure out what you want when you're 22, you know you want to be a structural engineer, but beyond that, how do you get there? It's tough to answer as a 22-year-old, but try to have a little bit more introspective when you do interview. Thanks so much, Will. Uh, thanks for coming on and talking about small and large firms and the differences between them. Definitely appreciate it. Okay, great. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources or websites mentioned during the episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.